Wolverine The Long Night, Istanbul Digital and Night in the Woods. This is Staying In. I just want to say that my partner and I have had the talk. Oh, what talk? You know what I mean? You know, you know, the talk. No, I don't. What, what talk are you talking about, Chris? The talk talk, you know. What? Not what the <laughs> internet browser, web, no, um, modem, whatever it is. The talk. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we've just got into a, a TV series together. Oh. And there's kind of a unwritten rule, a pact. I don't think that's overstating it. Where you can't, one of you can't watch the episode by yourself without the presence of the other. Ah, I see. So, uh, she's just asked if it's okay for her to watch the next episode of Killing Eve. Oh. But have you been in that situation where there's a series you've, you've discovered together? Yeah. You've seen it through dark times where you didn't know it's getting cancelled or not. And then out of the blue, you come home and you realise, oh yeah, they admit to you. Yeah, I've just watched six of them. It's not, it's not right, is it? No. No, it's not right. Um, yeah, I, uh, but the thing is, I'm usually the one who goes ahead. I'm usually the one who's like, who's like, I'll just watch an extra episode of The Good Place. Or I'll just get slightly ahead on Daredevil. Um, uh, and, uh, and then, yeah, so I, I, we, we, we've definitely had this thing now where there are programs that we watch and there are programs that we individually watch. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's. I, th- I can't think of any other permutation apart from the programs <laughs> none of you watch. No, no, but I mean, like, but they are very definitive. Like, I, I will say, like, I am going to watch Star Trek Enterprise, and you, do, do you exclaim it like that? Yes, and she will say, "I have no interest in watching Star Trek Enterprise," and I will say, "That is fair. Uh, I will, I will watch this myself then," and then she will say, "That's okay." Uh, and then that's how it will work out. Whereas there are some times where I'll go, I am going to watch uh, Mobile Suit Gundam UC. And she will say, I was interested in watching Mobile Suit Gundam UC. And then I'll be like, hmm, interesting. Now I've asked, it's become a thing. And maybe I now have to wait on this. Yeah. It's it's difficult. It's a difficult situation. It's, this is one of the subject to broach. It is. This is one of the perils of modern life, I would say. Because so I'd say I'm not the person at Leeds. I'm generally the one that's held behind. Now, really? I'm just thinking about you. Maybe that says so much about me and who I am. Yeah, possibly. But, um, but it says a lot. I, it is, isn't it? But I'm one of these people that... And Sam will attest to this, because when we talked about Abzu, I said that it's a game that is about you want to watch it play in small, kind of bite-sized chunks. And Sam's like, well, I just played it all in one go. Yeah. I'm one of these people that likes to have like a that that kind of weekly gap between episodes. I'm not a binger. You're not a binger, even though you watched how many episodes of Ultron in one go? Oh yeah. Mm. That, mm. that that but that is but that's 20 minute episodes, Pete. That's like an M M&M. and M. Each of those. <laughs> Suddenly the packet's gone. Where did that where, go? Where did that go? Whereas Killing Eve, we're talking like 45 minutes episodes. You know that's. Oh, okay, right. So, so does this then differentiate out on how long? Oh, definitely, completely. Like, I, I can't binge for anything longer than say, I don't know, an hour. Like, the Good Place is a great example because it's immaculately written, and because every episode, as we talked about in a previous pod, um, it just it, it clicks along at quite a pace. Mm. Um, there are certain bits where you're thinking, oh well, that that now they're in this 
hilarious situation. We're going to get a few episodes, maybe till the end of the season, before the truth comes out. And you realise that happens at the end of the episode. Like, oh, my word. I literally have yeah. no idea where they're going each episode. Um, um, next episode starting in five seconds. Oh, well, we'll just let it roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Whereas if you've got something that is like 55 minutes in length, you're like, if I watch two of these, that's a movie. Yeah. Like, and like, I've, I've sat there and watched when I was going, when I was going through on a, a Frasier binge, uh, I watched maybe two and a half discs in a row. Like, so that would have been four episodes disc. Like, that would be eight or nine, ten episodes, maybe. Wow. And, like, that's a lot. That was maybe an afternoon, evening. And then I just thought, you know, if I was into films, I could have watched, like, three films. Well, this is the thing I'm hoping to do, because as soon as uh, my partner, she builds up enough credit and she's seen quite a lot in a row, I can say, well, now you've done that. Now you can watch the Fellowship of the Ring extended version with me. Oh, God. Don't you've done the equivalent. Oh. The trilogy is only 11 hours. Oh, God, it's so tedious. It's really not. <laughs> you and me were talking about Night of the Woods like a couple of episodes ago, and you were, you were like, oh, I'm just about to get started with that, or I'm just starting it. And Is that, is that still going? Yep, it's still going. In fact, actually, uh, it's a shame Sam's not here because I found out at the beginning of the year it was ported onto Switch. And I think it would really work well on a handheld console such as that. So what is this game again? It's basically uh, Night in the Woods. It is a game by uh, written by Bethany Hockenberry and Scott Benson, developed by Infinite Fall. It was kickstarted. Okay. Uh, it's basically uh, an, set in an old mining tower called Possum Springs, oh, and you've got May, who's essentially an only child. She's she's basically dropped out of university or college, uh, and she's come home. She had, I think, a bit of a breakdown when she was at university, or she's changed her mind massively, and she's come back to this, what has become um, a town that is in decline, and it started to go in decline Primarily when she was away at university, uh, lots of people have been laid off from their jobs. The kind of main income for the town is drying up. So it's about her acclimatizing to who she is, trying to find out who she is as a person. It's a game that touches on mental health, depression. It's also about a city trying to find and reclaim its identity. But it's behind all of this is this sinister mystery. Something's going on in these woods. And it has something to do with the town's past and some kind of superstition or story that's been passed down. And if that sounds really morbid and depressing, and you think, oh, it's Halloween, great, something spooky, <laughs> undercutting all of it is this really wry, deadpan humour. Right. It really makes me laugh. That's quite quippy. And also, all the characters, it's an example of zoomorphism or anthropomorphism they're animals essentially with right. human-like qualities um like lots of kind of children's books so there is something slightly infantilizing about it but it allows you to look at things such as the aforementioned ideas of mental health and the the kind of trials and tribulations of this town through a slightly detached manner but not completely detached uh, there's some incredible moments in it where may is forced to kind of live in her parents' attic because they're in financial troubles as well. 
right. they try and shield her from it. But now she's an adult, they'll sit down and have candid conversations with her. And there's no voice acting so far. It's essentially choosing from text what is the best answers to which conversation beats. Uh, and to start off with, it took me a while to get into that groove. I've not played many games of this ilk before, okay. where it's it's story driven primarily, okay. and you're walking around. And my my initial desire was to more walk around and speak to every single person, mm. collect as much as I could, because surely that would give me some kind of bonus points. That's a video something. game. That's how video games work. Yeah, that's how you'd expect, wouldn't you? But actually, what I found is the best way to play this game is to find out what kind of a may and may the protagonist, what kind of a may you are. Are you the kind of person that will go up to people and say hello? And the way the game plays out, at least at the moment, is that every new day I'm walking out of my house and I'm going off on some kind of an adventure. And I will meet the same people. It becomes my kind of routine. I will right. bump into the girl sat on the stairs who is an amateur poet. And if she if if she's got if I've got time free for her, she'll spout off some lines of poetry she's just written that day. I walk past the same bumbling workers, continuing their conversation from yesterday about how they're moaning about work, how their jobs are scarce and who they're blaming. Mm. Um, I will go and check out my friends. Uh, you've got um, um, from your previous life before you moved out, as it were. There's um, Greg, who's probably one of your best friends, is this fox, his boyfriend, Angus. There is an alligator... Uh, called B, who just chain smokes the entire time. She's always got a fag out of her mouth. <laughs> right. And she's quite grumpy and crotchety. And it's about forging these kind of friendships that you almost suspended or lost when before you left for university. And realising that these people that you left are not in the same place you think they are now. They've moved on also somewhere as well. So the tragedy of it is you're playing this person who is trying to resurrect this time they had when everything around them has changed mm. and the effect it has on her. And, yeah, this mystery is really interesting. It's quite sinister. I'm really curious to know what happens in this mystery. I'm really mm. curious to know what is going on in these woods. Um, whether May's all imagining it, I don't know, because she has these incredible dream sequences that are just gorgeous. So this, the, like you, you talk about it being gorgeous. So it's... Um it's 2D, isn't it? It's like a. It's, it's a 2D a... side scrolling kind of, uh, platformer, essentially. What's sort of visual style? Like, if you had to. Visual style, uh, it was, it was designed from the ground up in Unity. Uh, very clean, very simple block colors with some minor details. Okay. Very subtle, um, almost like a child's animation, but not too childlike. Okay. Uh, so it, it's very appealing and, what I love about it is it's just how spectacularly banal it can be. And I mean that in a really positive way. Yeah. Like, there's one night where they have the annual festival of Possum Springs and you just rock up and help B, who's been lumbered into doing the annual performance of how the history of the town. It's, it's a ghost story. Yeah. And she doesn't want to do it. She's roped everyone in to do it. So the delivery of the lines, you've got to remember the lines. But bearing in mind you've got to remember the lines as the player, not knowing what these lines are. So you just have to guess the lines and watch the audience's reaction. <laughs> right. Or there's another bit where you're just going into the library and trying to do researches to the history of the spookings and hauntings here. Mm. Or another one where, to cheer, um, you desperately want to go to the old shopping centre and you get there and you're disappointed that it's now pretty much derelict. There's hardly any shops there. Which, you know, is kind of the same now, actually, we're going yeah. lots of high streets. Yeah. And you get into the controls of the old water fountain and splash people, fire jets of water as they walk past. Because <laughs> she's just a rebel and she's bored. Yeah. 
She 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 just wants to steal for the thrill of stealing. She wants just wants to be noticed. So mm. as a as a player, I'm, I'm often caught in this kind of moral quandary. I've got a character that just wants to steal and run a mock. You know, there'll be bits where Greg and her will go to like some kind of a dump and they'll throw fluorescent light bulbs at her for her to smack with a baseball bat. Right. And occasionally to keep her on her toes or throw a can at her face. <laughs> you know, or there'll be band practice where it's literally like Guitar Hero. And again, I'm trying to. She she always begins or ends every song with, "Oh, I did I didn't do that bad considering I don't know the song." And it's like me as the player trying to learn this, play along, play bass with the yeah. rest of the band. So the best way to play this game is not trying to do everything. It is about finding out what kind of a may you are and living with the fact that there's a world of possibility out there that may be in future playthroughs of the game. But you've got this lovely mystery of this person who, in one of its best moments, is her standing in front of a mirror, dissecting all the bits of her body she doesn't like, deciding what she's going to wear. Mm. Because she's going to a party around the fire that evening with an ex- and an ex-boyfriend's going to be there. And she's trying to negotiate how to deal with that. And it's just... It sounds like quite a character study. It's extraordinary. It's really interesting. And I've, I've read lots of reviews about the game with people saying, I really don't like May. She's a bit of an asshole." Hmm. but I'm playing as her. So some bit of me has to be invested in her. And it's whether I change her in terms of the choices she makes to match me, or I change me to match her. And it's a really interesting in terms... And I'm sure you do that in lots of video games. But really, in a game like this, it really came to the forefront, because this isn't one of those dynamic, can't-take-a-break kind of games, where you, uh, you can let it go at its own pace. And, yeah, I have no idea how far I am through it. Not at all. Brilliant. But I'm really enjoying the journey I'm going on. That's really good. That sounds really cool. And you're saying it's on... So you're playing it on... I'm playing it on PS4, but it's on most, if not all, platforms now, actually. It was kickstarted. It's it's had huge critical acclaim, and it's led to it being rolled out to multiple platforms. So really check it out. And I think they also did some like extension mini-games of it. I don't think that's like DLC. It's like a continuation of like chapters of it, which I wasn't aware of. Right. So I will probably check those out. I'd be really interested to see, like, like check back with you in, like, a bit and basically figure out, like, where your story went and, like, if, if, it, if it sustained to the end. I'd be really, really fascinated. This is the time of year where I actually love this time of year. I mean, obviously, I, we've talked about I hate Halloween. I really detest Halloween. By the way, Pete, and um, I was talking about somebody about this the other day, you mentioned Halloween cards. I've not come across a single Halloween card. You're saying, oh, I hate it because, you know, you get the Halloween cards and things and jazz. Yeah, you get Halloween cards. I've, I've had a Halloween card before. You've had a Halloween card? Someone sent me a Halloween card once. It was like, I hope you have a spooky day. And I'm like... You did it. You did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you did it is in, like, like, red, like, bloody markings yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I... Obviously, I hate Halloween. I'm not a fan. Um, but... Bonfire Night, that's coming up. But also, and so obviously I'm very excited about Bonfire Night or Fireworks Night or Guy Fawkes Night if you're uh, over the age of 45, I would say. Um, But the most exciting thing is that this is that special time of year, in Britain at least, um, where, where the season starts to change. The clocks start to go back an hour due to farmers 200 years ago and you can tell you can you can tell that we're getting into it when in the mornings when you're getting dressed for work you think should i wear a nice jumper today oh yeah 
nice little, just a little, like a cardigan, or uh, just a nice little thin pullover or something like that. Am I going to be chilly, you might say? But also, you start to seriously think about what your, what kinds of teas you're going to be drinking this season. Um, and I'm enjoying at the moment. And like the, the kinds of teas you want change, right? So I'm currently enjoying just now, as if to prove it. Um, I've got a delicious range of chamomiles that I'm rocking at the moment. Um, right. This is chamomile and spiced apple. Right. So I thought nicely seasonal. But this is that period of time, I think, when you start to really, really strongly consider hot beverages more in your annual, like in your in your uh, weekly food shop, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember being a student in my freezing cold flat and I was just, I would just drink tea to stay warm. It's nice. Yeah, it wasn't so much about the taste that um, at that point at times it was more the fact that I needed to raise my core body temperature up massively. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And short of just staying in the bath the whole day and topping it up with a kettle. Yeah. I had to, chose to subvert that and just drink tea. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the era of hot chocolates. I know you're talking about teas, but this is okay. the time of year for hot chocolate. Do you think so? I, you see, <clears throat> this is the period of time where I would give it at least another few weeks, maybe a month, until until I seriously start considering the Horlickses, the hot chocolates. Um, I've never had Horlicks. Have you not? No. Is it like an OT? It's like multi. Multi, not OT, so multi. That'd be something porridge like, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be a, yeah, like hot porridge. Malt, uh, yeah, it's kind of um, yeah, it's like a malted. So is malted it like drink. the inside of Maltesers scraped out, liquefied? <laughs> Sadly, not. Um, it's more like uh, no, it's it's just a really unique taste. Do they do they have Horlicks abroad? I keep, I keep, I keep looking at. Um, this is very tedious, but I keep looking at our stats. Well, no, because the climates abroad that I tend to go to are generally hotter than ours. Well, yeah, that's true. But I keep I keep looking at um, the, some of the people who are, are listening, you know, where where they're listening from and all that sort of stuff. And I sort of think to myself, do the people understand Horlicks? Is Horlicks an international brand? Well, have you been abroad and you, like... I've never seen Horlicks abroad. No, but have you been to, like, when you're abroad and things, and they have, like, particularly in, like tourist traps or places where lots of say uk people frequent it they'll have like the international food aisle oh yeah so there'll be stuff that is literally for british people who get homesick so there'll be like you know tomato ketchup or marmite and things there right i not don't remember seeing horlicks that's the thing maybe they just have horlicks or like an, a version of it but i've never seen it abroad and and I just sort of think sometimes I just think to myself, do people understand this? Does people understand what we're talking about? I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's quite assuming that you think that people in the UK understand what we're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, that's true. I I was on such a good roll for a while of just getting through stuff, um, and then I got I got sidetracked. So I'm still playing Andromeda. Oh my word! It's not. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine, Chris. Um, but uh, what I have been playing uh, instead is because uh, somebody sent us uh, sent us a code for it, which was very nice of them. Um, I've been playing uh, Istanbul Digital Edition. You've, have you played Istanbul the board game? No, it's on my list. It's a bit of a critical Ooh. darling. It's one of those beloved games, Istanbul. Mm. Same with Jaipur. Yes, so 
So, um, yeah, I'd heard of Istanbul, the board game, uh, long before I knew there was a, a digital version in the works. Um, and obviously, for my job, um, I am very interested in digital board games. I mean, just I'm just generally interested in them anyway. But, um, you know, I always like to kind of keep up to speed with what those how, like developments in that space. And you might remember um, the developer of this, which is a company called I think I think the company is called Acrum Digital. Um, it might have been Mobo Studio. So there's a bit of a there was a bit of a weird thing there where I think Acrum Digital are now publishing through Mobo Studio, or there's some complication. Anyway, <clears throat> whatever that is. Um, uh, they did Eight Minute Empire, the digital uh, digital adaptation oh, of that, Ryan which Lockett's I really liked. Game. Yeah, so that was that was a while ago, and I really liked their 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 take on Eight Minute Empire. Um, and I played that on mobile, predominantly. Um, so Istanbul Digital Edition, I've actually been playing on Steam um, on my PC, and uh, it's from those folks. Uh, and the original designer is a person called, I think his name is, oh, we always ruin people's names, Rudiger Dorn, I think his name is. I don't know. Right. He's got some dots over some letters and he seems like a nice chap. Um, and uh, yeah, like, yeah, my understanding was that the game won loads of awards and like everybody really loved it and, um, uh, you know, that it's one of those classic games. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's talks about in the same breath as, uh, looking at my shelf, uh, like a like a Catan or a Splendor or a, a Alhambra, a, all these kind of yeah, types of all games. of those kinds. It's a solid of, title. Yeah, it's it's it, been it, around for a little bit. It was part of that first wave of oh, board games are actually good again. Um, and um, yeah, so I've been playing this digital version, and uh, it is for me. It is a. It's what I really what I really like about digital board game adaptations. In so much as it doesn't mess around with the mechanics, it doesn't pretend. It doesn't go, oh, we're going to do an adaptation, but we'll we'll remove this, or we just won't include this bit, or oh, we think this could do better. This is a straight adaptation, um, and it is just the core game. As far as I can tell, I've been playing around with it. Um, there are expansions for Istanbul, the uh, physical game, but this one doesn't have them at the moment. Maybe they're coming, I don't know. Um, so this is just the core experience. Um, and a tutorial, basically. Uh, that and a tutorial and a multiplayer mode. I'll talk about that in a minute. But you haven't played this, have you, at all? No, I've not, no. So okay. I'm really curious to know what it's like. Okay, so the way the game works is... Um, in front of you, you uh, in, on the table, you have a number of um, locations uh, on in a grid, and the idea is that you are amongst the Istanbul markets, right? And you're a you're a trader, and it's your job to take your um, cart uh, or wheelbarrow, whatever it is, with you to go and get a load of goods that you can then sell for lira and you can exchange lira for other goods uh, and, and services or you can uh, exchange it for rubies um, and rubies are the 
the win condition. So you get five rubies um, and uh, you win the game. Um, uh, uh, a little bit more complex than that, but but for for the sake of for the sake of brevity. And the way that you get all of these things is you play your trader and you're essentially a stack of chips. Um, uh, the, the round plastic kind, not the uh, the uh, McCain kind. Um, and you, Thanks for clearing you, that up. <laughs> and you move those two... You can move up to two spaces, horizontally or vertically, on, but not diagonally, along this grid. And... You then, if you, when you go to that location, you then use one of your chips and you put it to one side. And essentially, this is like a worker. And they say, and, and you get to use the ability at that space. And you can only use an ability at a space, uh, in general, uh, when you place a worker down and you put them there. Um, you can also, if you pass over that, if you go to that space, you can also take that worker back with you, right? You can also take them back so you have more workers with you. But eventually you run out of these. And uh, what that means is you then you then can't do any actions until you get more chips back, uh, either by going back and picking them up or by returning to a central location. Um, I think it's called like the plaza or something like that, at which point all of them can come back to you and you can just start again and move out and, and, and keep doing these things. Um there are other players, obviously, and if another trader is on the same square as you, then or you go to that square, then it costs you more lira to use that action that's that's actually on that space. You also have these, like uh, I think they're called like black sheep um, cousins, and like they're thieves essentially, and you can use them in special ways. But one of the other, th- but but also the, your opponents can essentially dob them into the police and they get arrested and then you have to go and get them from prison there's lots and lots of layers on a very um straightforward system lots of okay i can do this and if i chain all of these actions together uh, and then play all of these abilities then i can i can uh, through good planning or and a little bit of luck i can do more actions than i should be able to and i can get ahead you know it's it's all about like action curves right and there is a ton more and I'm not going to talk about it, but the reason I'm focusing on this is there is a tutorial in this game and I had never played, I'd never played, um, uh, Istanbul before as a physical game. And the fact that I was able to understand how to play the game, uh, in a digital format speaks to how good I think the tutorial is. Um, because I, find it really difficult i play a lot of digital adaptations and i often find it very difficult to play them if i've not played the physical game first um or if i've not gone off and watched a video of how to play the thing you know as in like a somebody's done like a let's play a physical let's play so i think the tutorial is by and large pretty good and this is i think a very good reason as to why somebody might pick this up is to learn istanbul and to play it over and over again and figure out what the strategies are in a digital space so that when you go to the physical so so that you can think oh actually i want to go and buy the physical game and play with my pals or so they can practice at playing playing istanbul so they they can get better because i do understand it is you know um it, it is up there and therefore i can understand why people might play this in you know when they go to events and stuff like that and what's it like on pc because i i'm trying to think if i've played any board games other than that time that you 
Dan and I went on Tabletop Simulator. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we played Jamaica together. Mm. And we all had to resist the temptation to flip the table for yeah, that. And some of us couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've played a board game on a PC. I've generally played them on mobile. So Splendor, Ticket to Ride. Yeah, I mean, I've played them a bunch. Um, What's so it I've... like playing it on a... You know, on a PC, because it's one thing to have it on a phone or a tablet where it's on your lap, so it feels like it's on a table, mm. let's say. On a PC, it's a different dynamic, surely. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really play this on mobile all that much, I don't think, unless I was really into the game. Yeah. Because it is definitely a sit there and think, because what you're trying to do is make your, make your turn as efficient as possible. So you need to really sit there and think about what you're you know, um, what your moves are going to be. And I found myself using the, um, the undo action quite a lot. So one of the things I really like about the game is there's a, there's a, there's just a back arrow. And what the back arrow does is as long as you haven't done something, an action where you've revealed information you would know, you wouldn't otherwise be able to get. So say, for example, you pull from a face down deck. You can't undo that action, but pretty much every other action or, or a dice roll or something like that. You can't undo those actions, but you can do basically anything else. And what that means is you can, you can move those two steps ahead, do the action, you know, pull the, uh, the face up cards that you want, figure out how you would execute all of those moves. And then rewind, 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 and try something else out. And it, and that is the beauty of having it in a digital format, and that you can do that really easily. And that sort of space and that sort of thinking lends itself more to that tablet. I'm going to sit here on the couch for an hour and play this thing, or I'm going to sit in my nice PC chair here, and I'm going to I'm going to sit at the desktop and actually think about how I play this game strategically. So that's fine um, for me. That's okay, and I do play a lot of digital adaptations on PC anyway, um, like Magic and Star Realms, and um, I've played Ticket to Ride on PC and um, Ascension and loads of other things. Um, so talking about formats, just quickly, one of the cool things I do like about this is um, it's cross-platform between Android. So Android and iOS is cross-platform. I think it's also, or the intention is, that they will also be cross-platform with PC, which is definitely an added bonus. Like, I definitely look for that sort of stuff now. And you have to log into a, a special um, account to actually do any of that sort of stuff. But I think that's really cool, and I certainly think it needs it, because uh, I say we're going to talk about multiplayer. Um, the multiplayer is there. It's pretty um, straightforward. Like, there's no stats tracking or anything like that. There's no, like, you, 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 you know, you're, you're this good at the game. Um, but uh, there's global chat. There's private chat. Um, there's not a huge amount of like community engagement, uh, but they do have game variants in there, so you can change the layout of the um, the grid. Um, you can have like neutral assistants and stuff like that, so like you can fill in other spaces. Uh, it can go two to five players online, and you can do synchronous, as in we are all playing all at the same time and we have three minutes per turn, or you can play asynchronous, which is I'm going to take my turn and I have up to 48 hours to respond. Um, and I think that all of those features are really, really good, uh, but it certainly needs that cross-platform stuff because I found basically nobody playing, which is which, which sucks. Um, because it's cool; it's a really good game, and I can totally see like if you had a group of friends who wanted to play this remotely, this is a fantastic way to do that. Like it's it's actually 
a really great adaptation of the game. Um, and the game itself is really fun. Like the actual board game, it feels is really fun. And I learned how to play it and it was great. And this is a superb, um, very straight line, straight, you know, very, very straight down the line kind of an adaptation. Uh, but I really like that about it. And there is a, and there are the right kind of features that I look for in this kind of an experience. Um, but I think you will, if you do want to play multiplayer stuff, you will need to make sure you've got a few pals who are playing it. I mean, it's like seven or eight quid. Like, it's not going to break the bank. Like, it's it's. I, I can totally see you could very easily, co- you know, uh, convince pals to to get it and stuff like that. Um, there are also really good little other niceties and um, user experience things that I I think are cool too. Like, you can save and exit mid-game, and that means that if you're halfway through a single-player thing, you just exit and then go, go, okay, I'm going to pick this up tomorrow. And that sounds like a really silly, small thing, but that's really cool because, like, these games can take, like, you know, 20 20 minutes, you know, half an hour or something like that. Um, And there are, like, loads of achievements. And I don't give a toss about achievements, certainly on Steam. Um, But but the achievements push you down routes to learn the game. So rather than, like... Like, there's a few of the, like, play a game, play 10 games, play 100 games. Like, there's a few of those. But most of them are geared towards things like get two rubies in one turn. And I'd played the game for an hour by this point, and I was like, you can get two rubies in one turn? How on earth would you do that? And then I started thinking, okay, well, if I had this these abilities in, to my hand, and if I if I was in this situation, then maybe, yeah, I could get multiple rubies in one go. Um, there are things like, um, you know, they, and, and so the achievements really push you in that direction of like, Figure out how you would do this. And then that makes you better at the game. It makes you think outside how you would normally approach the game. And therefore, it makes you a better player, I would say. Um, and there's also... Uh, we've been playing um, Civ a lot. Um, and um, you know how there's like a Civipedia? Yes. So um, there's essentially sort of that, but for playing Istanbul. So like, So like, if you need more information about a card and what it does you just click this i button um the letter i and it just says this is what this does and then if you need even more information than that there's another little button that you can press and it brings you up a big description of what that thing is and it then hyperlinks to any terms that it might use elsewhere so for example um a card might say uh you can play this card and if you do this when you're in the small market, then this effect occurs. And it will have small market highlighted. You'll click on it and you'll go and then you'll go to small market and the description of what it is. And it will then say, okay, so the small market allows you to do this. And so you go, oh, so that's why that card would be useful in that space. It's like a really clever way of giving you more detail about how you should be playing the game. It just really pushes you down in that direction a lot. Um, yeah, I I really dig it. And like, I think it's, um, I think it's just a really smart port. And it's a really, it's a port of a really good game. And it's a very good port of a very good game. And I hope it does well because I think it's it deserves to have more players than it currently has. So 
I'm going to convince you yeah. uh, to, pick, uh, to, to get a copy. Or at least, or certainly, we should check out the, um, the physical game itself. Because genuinely, after playing this game, I'm like, let's play Istanbul. It's great. Yeah, I really do, do want to play that. It's so much fun, man. Like, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. You feel like you're very calculating. You know, you feel like a trader. You feel like you're calculating, okay, if I give up this, I get this in return. And I know that in the next turn that I can use that to achieve the goal that I have. Uh, you, you know, it's really thematic in that you feel like you are trying to make intelligent decisions about trading. Um, and the art's beautiful and, you know, all that sort of stuff. My question, though, to you, really, is, like, why... Like, do you drink... I was trying to get to this earlier, but, like... Have you discovered chamomile teas? I used to drink chamomile tea. Mm. When I was training to be a teacher, so at that point I was a graduate teaching assistant, so I was having to mark a lot of essays. Mm. And because I was new to it, I was spending ages on each essay, kind of double-checking myself and second-guessing myself and ensuring that I was... Um, doing a good job, or uh, you know, over over zealously, let's say, because I was new to it, and I drink chamomile tea because mm. it relaxes you. It's very mm. good, mm. but the problem is, I drank so much chamomile tea that I cannot actually drink it anymore. I can't even smell the stuff. Really? No, my partner drinks it. She has like the loose leaf chamomile. Yeah, uh, but I can't touch the stuff at all because it's just. It just I overdid it. You've ever had that where you've overeaten it or overdrunk a particular thing? Yeah, you can't go back to it. Yeah, vodka, yeah. Neat, neat vodka. Yeah, yeah, neat vodka. Yeah, it's chamomile tea is my version of that. <laughs> the most middle class version of that. But yeah, no, chamomile tea, I can't touch it. Oh. But yeah, it's it's very relaxing, isn't it? Oh, it's very nice. And the, this spiced apple one that I've been drinking just adds that nice little bit of seasonal loveliness to it. It sounds quite complex, that. Oh, it's spiced apple and chamomile. Spiced apple and chamomile. I, I drank it and I thought, Do you know what, I'm not going to like this. Because like, cause I went into it thinking, look, I don't really like flavoured teas. Like I no, see, I. I see these salted caramel jobbies in the aisles, and I'm like, ah, no. Well, like, I saw a gingerbread green tea the other oh, day. Oh, do you know what? Scientists asked if they could do it, not if they should do it. And like, that's how we've ended up in the 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 situation where we get candy floss tea. I mean, I saw the other day, this is not tea, but a scented candle that's flavoured like takeaways. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Hey, hey. What? I'm just trying to think of the situation when, when is that the good time just, to just, light that? Just like, hey, why don't you, uh, hey, you know, this, this feels like a, this feels like a good thing between you and I. Why don't we, uh, why don't we head back to my place? Yeah, sure. Maybe put on some romantic candles. Yeah. <laughs> Get back. She's like, well. Here we go. Peak. Did I did I tell you about the time when I uh my partner and I we went on like when we started dating. Okay. We'd heard about this fantastic restaurant. Mm. Actually we ate food from there actually. Um, so you're probably gonna be ahead of me actually on this, but we ate, it was this uh Korean restaurant in Liverpool. Okay. So we turned up to this restaurant all dressed up to dinner, you know, date, you know, we'd travelled from nice, nice flats food. to meet there. Yeah. To find out it was a takeaway place. And there were no chairs inside. It was literally this tiny little shop front and wasn't a sit-down affair whatsoever. 
it was Tupperware tubs of rice and chicken. You're there in your tux. She's yeah. in, she's she's all fresh from the dry up, cleaners. Thinking thinking. Oh, do you know what this this Chris guy? He's he's a real he's a real quality guy. I mean, he threw that he threw that breakfast snack at me that that one morning. But yeah. but but you know you know he, he, do you know what he's going to take me out for a nice dinner. He's paying apparently. <laughs> what did you do? Did you did you order? Well, did you go through I embarrassed it? myself a little bit there because I dropped because <laughs> we got we got um, I got uh, the the um, the chicken balls. It was a mixed thing actually to go, but um, I also got like a big bottle of coke, which I ended up dropping on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and... Just, it was like I'd won the Grand Prix. <laughs> Just everywhere. <laughs> Over the floor. Was, so, oh, so, so now her, so now, so now her lovely dress is ruined. Oh, it was awful. But, uh, we laugh about it now. But yeah, always Google Street View. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Chris's top dating tips. Google, Google Street, Street View. View. Are you really going to talk about a podcast? Is it a podcast? Uh, I know, it's a little bit incestuous, but I'm going to talk about podcasts. Yes, it is. Uh, because, as you know, Peter, I've moved out of Liverpool and I'm having to take a, uh, like a nearly hour-long commute each day to get to work and back. So I need my podcast fix in order to survive. You've upped your, your podcasting. Oh, massively. Mm. So I'd come across this. It was advertised on another podcast and it really piqued my curiosity. It was a Marvel podcast in which it's what's well, called Wolverine the Long Night. Mm-hmm. And the way it was pitched really was kind of like at the X Files. So it's a, it's a, it's a Wolverine narrative, but Wolverine isn't the star of it. Oh, that's what I found quite interesting. Wolverine's kind of the case. Oh, so it's a so it's a fiction. It's, it's, not, a fiction. it's not like a podcast about Marvel. No, stuff. no, 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 no. It is a dramatization, like a radio drama. Mm. Two FBI agents traveling to this Alaskan town because of, there's a series of murders there. And there are, actually, Walt Logan's path, he's already there. He's intertwining with theirs. They're on the trail of him, trying to piece together why he's here, whether he is behind these murders, and trying to find out his motive and agenda. And it's in this creepy Twin Peaks-esque town where you've got, uh, you know, the landowner, the family, who have their own shady past, and they own most of the land around there. You've got this cult called the Aurora Cult that have moved into town, which is spooking the locals. Mm. And these two FBI agents, like Mulder and Scully, pretty much, right. trying to get to the bottom of this in this town, which is very closed off, very much keeps themselves to themselves. And occasionally they get snippets of sound, excuse me, and footage of Wolverine, played by Richard Armitage, who you probably don't know. No, I don't know who that is. He played Foreign Oak and Shield in the Hobbit films. Don't know. I, I saw so very seen the good Hobbit English films. actor. Is he the guy who? Um, oh, he's the head dwarf. Oh, okay. Uh, he's not the one in the green. The one in the green. Uh, not the green. The one in the grey cloak. That's Ian McKellen. He plays Gandalf. Yeah, wizard. King of the Dwarves. He's like the no, tall that, one. That's a wizard. No, wizard. King of the Dwarves. He's not just King of the Dwarves because he's the tallest. No. Although I think he is the tallest, ironically, but. Yeah, so it's a very interesting premise. Okay. Um, Sam started listening to it as well. I mean, it's a pretty paint-by-numbers narrative in some respects. I've seen these kind of narrative beats in many an X-Files episode. 
What's quite interesting, because I don't really listen to many dramatizations per se. I think the last one I started listening to was the Black Tapes, and I knocked that on the head because it came, got a little bit too ridiculous. Mm. But they've got this technology in it, which is a bit like surround sound. So right. when you've got your headphones in, it sounds like the two people in a dialogue with each other are either side of you having this conversation. Is this binaural audio? It's kind of binaural, because I work as a sound artist with binaural sound. It, it's something that I don't think has been done live. It's been done in post. Hmm. So they've kind of panned it in certain areas to give you that illusion. But it's very good. Okay. The only problem is I listen to my podcast when driving. And <laughs> it means that the person who happens to be near my speaker, I hear very well. But the other person who's coming out of the back speaker at the back of my car, I can't often hear them that well. Brilliant. But it's an interesting premise. Brilliant. And I'm sticking with it. There's 10 episodes in this miniseries. And I really hope they do more because I think it's a great idea. I think they used to do some Marvel in like the 70s. I think they did a Spider-Man and a Fantastic Four or something. Right. I really hope they do some more of this. Oh, this is a partnership with Stitcher, by the way. So any Stitcher premium listeners would have got the whole thing up front. Right. I'm, I'm doing it for free. So it's once a week. I get the episodes um, into my ears. But I'm sticking with it. I am enjoying it. I really hope they do more Marvel episodes. I find it a lot more interesting tackling, approaching Wolverine this way from an outsider as opposed to having him lead the story and it's the adventures of Wolverine per se. Right. It fits into his character as the loner and trying to make sense of him. I really quite like the idea of seeing him in this light. But you're not, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't label you as like a Wolverine fan. Like, why did you pick this? It's a, it's a, it was Marvel and a podcast. That was enough to pique my curiosity, really. Uh, Wolverine, I liked him because he's, he's such an iconic figure in the X-Men yeah. mythos. Uh, I like that he's a figure of pure rage, and that's really not me. Hmm. And there's something quite attractive about a character that's like that. Mm. He's a miserable git. And obviously, the, he's fantastic in the film versions. But it's really just having a Marvel... Radio dramatized podcast, right? Okay, that really piqued my curiosity. So yeah, I, I, it's worth giving it a listen. Okay, it's very different to what I'm used to because generally I either listen to audio books or I listen to straight kind of factual podcasts. Um, but yeah, it is. Do you have to get it on Stitcher? No, so it's everywhere now. It, you'd only. It was only if you wanted to get all the episodes up front and you oh, okay. have a Stitcher Premium account. So okay. it's any any podcaster any. Where place you get your podcast is a podcast from, you'll be able to get access to it. Mm, okay. So Wolverine the Long Night. Mm, okay. Yeah, I might give that a go because I've I've realised a lot recently that that I quite like like I've started moving away a little bit from Twitter recently, right? Um to get news about stuff, let's say, or to keep up to date with pals. Um I, so I deleted it from my phone. I haven't deleted my account or anything like that, but I deleted it from my phone because I was just like, okay, I need to get out of this headspace a little bit. Like, this, 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 I know, I know the world's bad. I don't need to scroll through hundreds of tweets of people telling me so. Um, but that short form content, like, regardless of what that content is, has become less appealing to me recently. Like, I've definitely edged more towards, I really like a good newsletter. Like when somebody emails me a newsletter, and like I'm a big fan of something, um, uh, I will, 
I will read that thing. I'll, I'll go through the whole thing and see what's of interest in there, right? And like, I've started going to websites again. I've started reading websites of, um, of things that I'm particularly interested in. So I saw that my old, my old pals at Pocket Gamer, they've just redone their website. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. I remember why I like reading articles about mobile games again. It's like, cause it's, you know, you know, obviously, you know, it's all very well written over there. Um, but also because of it's a longer form kind of content rather than just like, this game is good. I give it seven out of 10 as a tweet. Um, and equally, um, the, the longer form uh, of podcasting, even if it is just half an hour or an hour or something like that, um, I find that much more worthwhile like I get to the end of it and I go oh I feel like I really learned something like or if I listen to the paradox podcast which is all about like video game development and it's like very businessy focused thing or um uh coffee with butterscotch uh which is the butterscotch shenanigans podcast they're a game development studio and like theirs is again it's all about game development but it's a little bit of a lighter tone um and again I just feel like I feel like, oh, I've been entertained by this thing. I've spent half an hour and I've gone, yes, this is a nice thing and I like it and I feel like I've had some level of worth out of it rather than like two-minute Facebook video where I learn about kittens and how cute they are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get that. Things to like dig your teeth into. And I think I, th- I think radio drama, maybe that's part of it. Yeah, maybe it is actually. I think there's something quite nice to have that is of a longer duration that you can really get your teeth into, as you say, mm. and look forward to it when the next episode drops. That's it. Like, not having... Like, again, we were talking about binging, right? Like, sometimes it is really nice to be told, okay, that's enough. See you in a week. You should listen to the Good Place podcast. Is there a Good Place podcast? It's the official podcast from the studio. You should really listen to it. It's lovely. Okay. Um, the guy who plays Sean in it, he hosts it, and he's really? brilliant. And each week he interviews one of the writers and one of the actors from it. I'm and he's basically working your way through the episode. It's almost like you could listen to it while watching the episode it's talking about, but it is just lovely. And he ends every episode by asking them what's good in the world. Oh. And and it's 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 it opens with the voiceover from Janet and Michael. He's Janet. What's it? What is a podcast? And it's it's just lovely. It's really lovely. And it's also it's it's obviously it's very interesting talking about how the show was created, but it's also about philosophy as well in a in a really light kind of philosophy of a small p kind of way. It's just really lovely. Oh, all right. I'll give that a go. But yeah, I like that sort of like okay. Every week, here you go. Here's a nice little thing. Enjoy. Right, so uh, happily, uh, we managed. We managed it, Chris. We've got another question. Incredible. From now, do you want me to do the bit, no, the dance that we always a- dance? Absolutely no, okay. not. Uh, so, um, uh, if you would like to send us in a question, you'll be able to figure out how to do that by listening to the bit at the end of the podcast that Chris re- reads out or Sam reads out. Um, so, we had a question. Uh, it's from at purple underscore Steve. 
which is uh, a colleague of mine, a colleague and pal of mine. Hello, Steve. Um, so uh, Steve asks, would you rather walk barefoot across? He's going to give us three potential answers here. A, hot coals. B, spilled Lego. Or C, upturned plugs. What would you rather walk barefoot across, Chris? Hot coals, spilled Lego, upturned plugs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's think about this. Yeah. So when I've babysat, I've walked over two of those three things at once. Okay. No. Well, which, hmm. which, I'm hoping hot coals wasn't one of them. No, it wasn't. Okay, because that's danger money, really. I'm glad you asked that. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. No, it was, it was primarily Lego. Yeah. Or Duplo. Duplo's also quite Oof. bad, but not as bad as Lego. Okay. Because Lego can at least go between the toes. But yeah, Duplo was Duplo was quite bad. Mm. But yeah, Lego. I'm going to go with Lego actually, mm. just because hot coals. Uh, I I can get cut with Lego, but I I can also equally even worse. I would argue get incredibly burnt with the hot coals. Mm. Although actually, people are more you're more likely to see pictures of people doing that on a beach than you are with Lego and upturned plugs. Although I have seen somebody do a Lego walk as if it is like walking across <laughs> fire. So, I think your reasoning is good there. And also, if you do choose Lego, you get to keep any bits of Lego at the end. I like the idea that you actually, by the time you get to the end of it, you've actually built up like a Lego <laughs> little platform. You've just connected them together as you're walking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with hot coals, right? Now, hear me out on this one. If you walk across spilled Lego, people think, yeah, that just happens. It's an everyday risk. If you walk across upturned plugs, people think, what kind of a house do you live in? What kind of situation would you live live in where there's just up there's just things not plugged into the wall? Like what how do you live? If you say, I've walked barefoot across hot coals, people go, Ooh, you must be spiritual or connected to yourself or oh how interesting i bet that was an adventure and people probably think even if, it's in, even if it's in your living room yeah even if it's in your living room i think i think people would think that you're more interesting if you've walked across hot coals so i would say and i'd like people to think i'm interesting so i would say hot coals on that one so there you go. I, I just i've got the image in my head of a billy joel song called upturned plugs <laughs> and that was staying in with just peter willington and Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, then make sure to subscribe so you get the latest show as soon as it's released. Also, if you like what we make and you listen to us on something like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or CastBox, then we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, a comment or made us one of your favourites. Information on all the things you've talked about on this episode is at stayingin.podbean.com where you can also get details of how you can get in touch with us if you've got a question for us to answer. And of course, you'll also find there links to our Steam Curator and Board Game Geek pages, as well as our Twitter and Facebook information too. But for now, thanks for listening.